The Sound of Hockey episode 261, we're calling this one the Darcy Tucker episode. Why are we calling it that, John? Darcy Tucker had 261 career assists. I don't know if you know. I, I remember Darcy Tucker. He was a, a pest, a classic pest in, in the pest era. Uh, played 947 regular season games. He played for four different teams, the Avs, Leafs, Canadians, and Tampa. I remember him with the Leafs. Curtis, do you remember him much? No, not much. Really? No. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, uh, definitely a familiar name, but I can't Yeah, remember. it's a guy you just hate to face. Yeah, nothing. Right? Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. I'm just trying to think of like the signature play. I but he could really... score goals too, right? Yeah. Like, And that's the that's the beauty of the pests can score and contribute. They're not goons. Uh, well, good good talk, guys. This is Sound of Hockey. I'm Darren Brown at, <laughs> at Darren Fun Brown on the X. Joined as always by John Barr. Hello, John. Hello, everybody. I'm NHL2 Seattle on the X. And we've rehired Curtis. So after we fired him last week... He's back. I appeal. There was a petition on the Discord. There, there was a petition. Of the, one? The people yeah. the people spoke out. There was one. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It was a short petition. That's all uh, it took was one signature? Yeah, that's, I think, uh, we're, yeah. we're pretty nice people. And right? I'm uh, deep sea hockey on the X. The wheels of democracy are in motion, yes. folks. Uh, no new review this week, so we're going to skip right over that section. Are we gonna, also going to skip over the Patreon starting lineup this week? You yeah, we'll, feed me any we'll names. skip. we got to right. spread those out a little bit. We'll give bit. folks yeah. a folks a we, break we'd that. always love a few more a few more patrons yeah, members yeah. patreon members yeah patreon.com slash sound of hockey for some extra content we're also going to have a brand new mailbag episode that we're going to record after this episode so um that will be coming out in the next 48 ish hours for our patreon or members. whenever you hear this probably well but the patreon mailbag doesn't necessarily get posted at the same time as the main podcast episode sometimes before sometimes before that's right so it could be up within 24 could be negative 24 hours from when you hear this yes it could be (laughs) so if you're hearing this (laughs) and it's 48 hours from now which you're probably know exactly what now is let's be honest here you probably know (laughs) and then you rewind the clock 24 hours it's possible that the mailbag episode will have been up for that long but we don't know Patreon.com slash Sound of Hockey. To Maybe find just out. go there and yeah, find yeah, out. Check yeah, it out. Yeah, yeah check it out. Um, and thank you to our Patreon members. Thank you to all of you who have left five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. It is fun to scroll through those every now and then and just... we need. Sometimes we need a little pick-me-up. We this do. This might be one of those times where it would have helped. Yeah. Right? The vibes right now, I think that's that's in line with the vibes. They're, they're not very good, I don't think, across the Kraken sphere. Uh, I think it's been a tough start to the season here we're a a little over a full month in opening night was i think october 10th it's currently all right i'm going to tell you i'm breaking the news on when we're recording (laughs) we're recording on november 14th tuesday the night of so um yeah i mean they just haven't strung it together yet and by they i mean the seattle kraken i don't know if i mentioned that we're a seattle kraken focused (laughs) podcast um and uh I don't really know where they turn. It does seem like, and I guess we're going to talk about this in a little bit, but it seems like they've tried to pull some different levers and so so far things haven't happened. What I'm a little concerned about here, fellas, is if you think back to last season, and I think generally speaking, we we remain very positive, very level-headed on this show. And the thing that keeps me level-headed in this scenario is that they still have, what, like 67-something games, some huge number of games left to play. So it's very early. There's a lot that can happen. But... That thing about Thanksgiving with, you know, if you're in the playoffs at Thanksgiving time, that's usually a good marker that you're going to make it. That is 
true. Like statistically, that is true. So it is a concern. Absolutely. The thing that also concerns me is that when you look at last season, this team built its success around winning streaks, right? And by this point in the calendar, they had a five game winning streak under their belt. They haven't put together uh, more than two wins in a row this season. So they really haven't gotten those like good feelings to build off of themselves um, and to really build that confidence. And they need to find it soon so um anyway uh that's that the it's been an eventful week john you and i went to denver last week which was a lot of fun that was that was the one very high point of the week for the kraken i would say yeah extremely high point yeah it was great i mean super fun game and that one was the night that ryan winterton made his nhl debut um i got to ask him about not wearing a helmet in warm-ups he said he uh (laughs) he said that he got to his stall and there just wasn't a helmet for him so that was how he made that decision and yeah and they won that night on uh uh, Oliver Bjorkstrand game winning goal with 31 seconds left. So that was awesome to be yeah. there. It was incredible. It was somehow I like I've traveled to Denver more, I think now than any other road arena. I don't know why that keeps just working out that way. Um, twice I've been there just by happenstance, which is what happened this time as well. I just happened to be in Denver when the Kraken were there. Um, and uh, yeah, and I've, I've witnessed some very, very fun Kraken wins there. Remember the Carson Kuhlman game? I, yeah, I I was at Queen Anne Beer Hall for that mm. one, and that was pretty incredible because it yeah. was that was like a make or break. To see, well, it felt like a, an oh important moment in the yeah, season. Yeah, yeah. and mm. uh, that was huge. Right? Was it? It was overtime, right? Uh, I thought it was a late or late go ahead third. goal, yeah. maybe Carson Kuhlman. Um, Carson Kuhlman, yeah, yeah, his high point as a Seattle. <laughs> Um, and then we, well, no, his high point was when he came on our podcast. That's true. And that was a fun, he was a fun interview. He was a really fun interview. Yeah. And then after that, okay, so that was all the fun stuff that happened. I just sounded like Kermit the Frog there for a second. Did you hear that? I went into, into Kermit T. Frog one. Um, Curtis, I'm going to kick it over to you to please take us through the terrible losses because I don't want to talk about them. <laughs> oh, wow. No, I, thanks, Darren. What I was thinking is we should package these together a little bit because sure. if you think about these two games, they're, and I wrote about this in three takeaways, that they're like the exact same game, the Edmonton game and the Colorado, well, the home Colorado game, but like they happened in the opposite sequence, right? Like that Edmonton game, they looked horrible in that first period. Gave up four goals. Uh, Third period, they started to put it together, right? They kind of got their legs under them, started to play a little bit better, um, and then got screamed at in practice by Dave Haxtell. Maybe we should touch on that in a moment. But then the the Colorado game, it's completely the opposite. They come out looking pretty good in that first period, and then it's just a slow, just painful death the rest of the way. Well, that seems to be a chronic issue in general for the for the losses. Is they can't painful slow deaths. Painful slow death. No, I wouldn't say that. Just not putting a complete game together. Yeah. Right. It's it's it could be fifty minutes of competitive hockey and then ten minutes of like just out of it or just not quality hockey and that that puts them back. Whether it be a couple goals early in the game or a couple goals late in the game. It's just not being able to put a full 60 or 65 minute effort. That's what it feels like. Yeah. And that's what made the, you know, there was hope in my mind coming out of the Colorado game in Colorado that maybe that compete, that pushback factor that was kind of been a hallmark of this team, even going back to the inaugural season when, you know, they often, you know, late in games were down a number of goals, but always seemed to like kind of scratch and claw to the end and then get that empty netter against them. Um, and then last season, it was a hallmark of the team compete for 60 minutes, you know, bring the bring the four check all game. The Colorado game was 
seemed like kind of more in the mold of that. You know, they they had the lead. They were up 3-1, I the think. The road, road Colorado. The, yeah, the yep. road Colorado game. They were up 3-1. Then it like went, you know, Colorado came back and tied it up. But then there was pushback and Oliver Bjorkstrand won it at the end. You, you thought maybe that, you know, they could recapture that swagger, those vibes that they had from the previous seasons. Uh, but, you know, the Edmonton home game, it's just kind of was a, a boulder rolling downhill for Edmonton pretty early in that one. It kind of seemed like the team gave up a little bit on its compete factor there well, in, the, in, think, the, in the uh, second period. Yeah. I mean, I they think, I mean, a hat trick in the first. Yeah, uh, but Hyman is but enough took, to make me want to leave the building. But uh, I didn't. <laughs> absolutely, but that's just not been how we've like yeah, kind of come gotcha, to appreciate gotcha. the, yeah. the Kraken through their first two years of existence. And they did eventually push back in the third period, as you said, Darren. But it took them a while, and then the full sixty minutes was just an issue against uh, Colorado in the home game. I mean, again, they got up early, um, tailed off in the end, third period. They had one shot on goal, and they were trailing. So that's. That's not a full 60 minutes. No, no, it no. is not. Um, it is interesting to see that they've started to pull some levers here. So some of it is by happenstance or by circumstance, I guess you should say, which is uh, Jordan Eberle got injured since we talked to you last. So remember, John, last week we we were got the news as we were recording that uh, Shane Wright and Ryan Winterton had both been recalled from Coachella Valley. That was very a couple of interesting call-ups. I thought that they showed well, all things considered. Um, you know, they're on a fourth-line role. They're obviously not going to, like, I I didn't expect them to come in and, like, score a bunch of goals, and sure enough, they didn't. So Yeah, but you never know. Like, right. in a way, as a fan, you always, like, root and hope for oh, that yeah. scenario. You and hope, it can happen, You right? hope that they're going to pop in and have And all of a sudden, it's just like, oh, my gosh, these guys are studs yep and save the season right like that kind of a thing but that didn't quite happen um I maybe thought, not reality is right that what you're saying maybe yeah. not but i mean you know think about like the tolvan and waiver claim last year right that was kind of one of those things that like it was a huge turning point i think for the kraken ty cartier coming up in the playoffs yep. you know yep. like where he jumps in and immediately has an impact um i think those two guys, like they, they played really well, especially in that first Colorado game. Um, Winterton set up an almost goal uh, just together with Devin Shore. I thought they looked good, um, but again, I, you know, as we've kind of been saying about Shane Wright, it's like I don't think he looks out of place. And this is what we said about him before the season started. Like I don't think he looks out of place, but he's not quite ready to be like a impactful forward every night for at the NHL level, right? So I, I think he still needs more time in the NHL. One hundred percent, exactly. 100%. So. Um, and and logging more minutes, yeah. I think that's the challenging thing. Even Winterton, I don't think Winterton got above like eight minutes and thirty seconds or something in a one game. So this that's he needs more reps. But it's great to see him up here, and and he looked f- for the most part fine. Yeah, but we want more than fine from our players like that. So uh, yeah, absolutely. In each of the three games that they played in. Uh, Shane Wright and Ryan Winterton, I thought there were times in the game where they were pressing the play and looked like one of the better lines on the team. But when you have so little ice time in the match, you know, how you're being deployed, there wasn't really an opportunity for him. Yeah, I always think about how rough it is to be like, you know, top line minutes in the AHL scoring, expected to score. And then you you get the call up and you're like, okay, you're in a shutdown or very defensive minded position. 
However, yeah. I think last night's game, the the Monday game against Colorado, they they put those two together with Ty Cartier in the fourth line, and I don't think the expectation of them was to go out and play like a defensive game. I think I think the expectation. This is totally my own conjecture. I was thinking about like why would they put those three together? I think it was like, well, these are three young, fast players. They're going to play together and go play their game. Is what I, I would guess is what they wanted them to do. Not necessarily shift their approach too much, but um, but nonetheless, I mean, yeah, it was it was kind of an experiment. Um, it was done because Eberle needed a uh, needed a few days off because he got his leg cut, which we didn't know that in last week's episode. But uh, yeah, I mean, he he should be back soon. So those two players got sent down today. Another lever was pulled though, which I thought was a very interesting one. Andrew Paderalski is going to get his first look with the Kraken. Um, any thoughts on that one, Curtis? Uh, I've always liked what I've seen from him yeah. uh, in in training camp and at Coachella Valley. He's a, he's a smaller player. I don't think you know known for his defense necessarily, but two time AHL scoring champ. Uh, you know, nothing left to prove at the AHL level. Has topped a hundred points in a regular season down there, which uh, has happened before. But I think when he did it, it hadn't happened in a number of years. Um, so he's he's a he's good offensive instincts, uh, good playmaker. Uh, good hand-eye coordination type of uh, type of player. He could bring a little something in a in a fourth line role that's more similar, maybe to what we saw last year with like a Morgan Geeky and a Ryan Sprong, like a little bit Ryan more Sprung. offensive. It's Ryan Donato plus Daniel Sprong. It, it is. Yeah, it, I know. It I is. Got they, it. They, I got they, it. they blended. They blended <laughs> in my mind. Um, Ryan it's Sprong. Mor- uh, Morgan Geeky on a two-person line with Ryan Sprong. <laughs> so Morgan and Geeky are yeah. two, for, two different guys. Yeah, right. Warm for. Um, but more like what they brought last year. You know, he has that, while he can play defense and play a, a lower role, um, he, he'd bring a little more offense if if he gets in the lineup, which I'm not sure he will. But I bet he will. I mean, why why call a guy up if you're going to scratch him is my, well, my general take. I, I mean, which that could be a that... contingency, right? You, they have a lot of games coming up yeah. right, in a short amount of time. Because Belmar, what we're alluding to is Belmar has been a healthy scratch the last couple of games. Yes. Or perhaps yes. not healthy, but a scratch. Right, right, right. Yeah. He is a scratch, but he, not an IR. Yeah. Haxtell yeah. did say he was available last game, so I think that was a true healthy yeah. scratch. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, I think I'm excited about the idea of Podorowski coming up, to your point, Curtis. Who knows what kind of a role he'll get if he gets any at all. Um, but yeah, I've, I've enjoyed seeing him play in preseason. He, so- he scores goals in preseason, and he's one of those guys that's like, a little too good for the AHL, but he's never been able to get a real shot at the NHL. And I think the knock on him is his foot speed. I don't know if it's so much his size. I think I've, you know, that's just kind of the thing for me is he, he doesn't look quite as fast as other players out there. And that's why I think he always ends up in the AHL. Um, he's played what four total NHL games. I, I think, think he's right. 29 years old and Last it's like played like December 18th, 2021. Right. So, yeah, I, I think to your point, Darren, that's one of the reasons why I think where he really stands out to me at least is on the power play. And mm-hmm. I don't know that he would get a power play role with the Kraken, but he's, he's a good playmaker when he's got space set up in the offensive zone. Shane Wright did get some power yeah. play time. And there was a certain fourth liner last year that got plenty of power play time. Yeah. Was it Ryan Sprong? It was not Ryan Sprong. It was Daniel Sprong. <laughs> oh, it was Daniel so. Sprong. Ding dong. Yeah. Daniel Ding dong. It was Daniel, Daniel probably Sprung. got some power play time too, though. Uh, yes, occasionally. I think he did. Geeky, right. not so much. Geeky, I think he got a little bit of power play time, but it didn't stick for him for very no. long. So... I, I am kind of excited for him, right? For Podorowski. Podorowski. Yeah. I think that's pretty cool to play so long and, and, and play really well. I mean, he's a great minor league hockey player, and just to get an opportunity. 
You know, he did uh, media after one of the preseason games, and I remember asking him something about, like, what he thought of some of the young players that were in the lineup, and he said something like, yeah, you know, I I mean, we all want to be here. Like, this is where we all want to be. And I was kind of like, yeah, I guess everyone is, like, still battling to, to make the NHL, even though, you know, this is a guy who's 29 years old. You know, and and I bet when he went down, I bet he was disappointed. Like I, I bet every year he's he's disappointed when he goes down to the AHL. And you sometimes don't think about that with these AHL guys that have spent their whole careers in the AHL. That like their ultimate goal has always been to play full time in the NHL, and they're kind of accepting that because it's still an opportunity to play pro hockey at a very high level, of course, but they still want the opportunity to play at the NHL. And that that margin is so thin, right, between them and the next guy that makes the team. And why didn't I make it? And so now I love when guys like like a Potterowski gets gets a shot. So I hope he takes it and runs with it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. It was it was on my list of, you know, coming out of the Colorado the home Colorado game, the last game, it felt like the team needed to pull some type of lever. Mm-hmm. Right. And and the this was on my mind, uh, also on my mind, potentially, especially with three games and four days coming up, do we finally see Magna draw in? I don't think it would necessarily be because he's superior to any of the six in front of him, but you got to shake something up. Uh, you know, Dave Haxall's clearly been displeased with the net front defense here. <laughs> yeah. um, and that's, if there's one thing Magna does, it's he can plop himself in front of the net and and defend the front of the net. So I wonder if that type of shakeup you you might see that. I'm not certain. Um, who, but who would you who would you pull out? That's the question. That you know that that is a good one. <laughs> um, I, I think you know I'd probably be looking at you know one of Borgen, Schultz, or Dumoulin. I I don't know okay, which so lever you would one pull, of half but, the defensemen. You'd well, take... yeah. I mean the I mean I think there's a pretty clear you know top. Three that have pretty established roles, particularly on special teams, that I don't think you could really just take out for the sake of it. Um, I think if I had to choose right now, I'd maybe go with Dumoulin taking a night off. But again, three games in four days, I mean, it might just be an opportunity to do that and finally get him a game. I think Dumoulin's looked pretty solid lately. I'm not saying he's... I I think so, too. I I don't have, like, I don't say that because... frightens me, to be honest, but... Well, I I don't say that because, like, one of the six defensemen has looked bad to me. It's just to shake it up. I agree. And I just don't... It's like, it would be amazing to me to think that Magno's better than one of the other six i think i agree with you john and that's not like a big knock on megna like he just he only had a few games last year and every game that he played didn't go well for the kraken and i don't think that's megna's fault it just was like you know they were it just wasn't good games and his time with san jose he was playing with eric carlson yeah so i'm I'm kind of like i don't know if that's the answer it's like i don't know i i but i mean i'm I'm open to open ideas. to ideas. Yeah. Yep, keep pulling levers. I yeah. agree until yeah. something until something gets these guys going in the right direction. Um, you know, you're right though. They have been pulling some of those levers from a coach standpoint, right? He's tried shuffling, shuffling the lines. He gave them some very hard love at practice the other day, which I alluded to earlier, where he literally stopped a drill and yelled loud, loud enough that everybody in the arena could hear what he was saying word for word. It had a lot of curse words in it. It was about um, shooting the puck is the the main message. But then they came out again and stopped shooting in that third period. So it's like, ugh, I don't know, like this this isn't really working here. Um, but it brings me to a couple of questions I wanted to ask, which first one is, can you guys say what you think is the biggest problem for this team right now? Can you because there's there's several. I think there's several problems, but like what do you think is the biggest issue? Well, I mean, it's hard to narrow narrow it down to one, right? To me, it's goal scoring which is kind of like this overall umbrella, which is 
But like, what is the reason they're not scoring as as much as they did last year? And to me, that's probably related to getting shots inside uh, and high danger shots specifically. But then what does that mean? Like, why is that the case? And I, I don't know. That's where I kind of like lose the equation, right? I don't know why they're not getting shots inside. It's it's You don't just will it to happen and just say, just get more shots inside. Now, they're not getting the opportunity or something. That's where our, my technical viewing skills kind of is, is limited. What do you think, Curtis? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I agree with you at a high level, and uh, but my kind of like trying to put, put a finer point on it has been to think about um, who do we think of as the top two centers on the team? Matty Beneers and Alex Wenberg. Matty Beneers and Alex Wenberg. They have the, they're two of the three top forwards in five on five ice time along with Jaden Schwartz. Jaden Schwartz has been scoring, but uh, five on five, Matty Beneers has in 16 games, two assists, zero goals. And Alex Wenberg has one primary assist, three secondary assists, and zero goals. So that's and, your two. And one that got negated against Colorado. <laughs> yeah. Match. Although that yeah. would have been shorthanded. But yes. <laughs> oh, you're right. That's a great point. Great point. <laughs> but yes. But just five on five time, they're both well over 200 minutes of five on five time into the season. No five on five goals between them. And I think it does relate to your point, though, John, that, you know, they neither of them are. Alex Wenberg does at times play net front, particularly on the power play. But they're not really that kind of physical net front presence that can kind of uh, physical their way out of a slump with mm. a with a goal like that like they're just different types of players and when they're not producing in that fashion they don't really have anywhere else to go it seems like five on five at least and we're 16 games into the season and zero goals at five on five from your top two centers that's kind of where i go i mean i think that's fair i mean because i think maddie had like four or five at this point last year and and Wenberg even had two or three i, I looked at this like in the last 48 hours that you know it's where's the scoring lacking right now Bjorkstrand has, what does he have, five goals right now? And, and he had one at this time last year. But the big, to me, part of the reason is is Burkowski's out too, right? And Eberle hasn't been himself. So so to me, those two guys, even, you know, now Eberle's out of the lineup. Burkowski has been out since game six or something. Even though they weren't playing at the top of the game when they were in the lineup, they are a threat on the ice that the other team needs to kind of uh, counter and address when they're on the ice. And it's just a matter of time before at least Burakovsky, I think, were, were to get going. You know, He's still a couple weeks out. I, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, looking at the lineup in the home, the last game, the home game against Colorado, both Kyler Yamamoto and Brandon Tanev started in what you think of as the top six. Yeah. which they were both fourth-line players to begin the season. And that's, you know, with Eberle out and Andre Burakovsky out against a, a very good team. I mean, we can't lose sight of the fact that yeah, they true. played Colorado twice and Edmonton once. I know Edmonton's been struggling, but, but Edmonton has a lot Edmonton, of talent. Right? They yeah. have a lot of talent. Um, and, you know, going up against a team like Colorado that's fully healthy this year when they weren't, when we saw them in the playoffs last year, uh, with Kyler Yamamoto and... Brandon Tanev in your top six when you didn't anticipate that, that's going to take a toll too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, for me, I, it kind of goes back to personnel too. I think about over the summer, remember my my consistent concern was that they didn't add anybody to like push depth down to the fourth line, right? And now, I mean, you have one injury 
okay, you can you can deal with that in Brandon Tanev, but then a second injury comes in uh, Andre Burakovsky, and then you pepper in Jordan Eberle, right, yeah. as you're starting to get things rolling, and it's like, and Eberle wasn't off to a hot start either. I think he's still only got one goal on right. the season, right? So yeah. it's a tough thing because there's a lot of guys that aren't going right now that were going last year. Beniers is off to a terrible start. Wenberg has not produced any offense. Tolvanen has started to chip in offensively, but he got off to a really bad start. And then you got Eberle too. So that's a lot of guys that are like pretty key scorers from last season that aren't producing, right? And to your it, point, John, Bjorkstrand's yeah. have had a better yeah, start, but yeah. and Schwartz has had an awesome. But he he awesome had a start. really good start last year. Yeah. Like he's he's not too far off his pace. Like he he. He had maybe two less goals, but he's he's been playing consistent. So I don't. I'm not saying that's not like gravy goals, right? They, that was about what he he was doing last year. Yeah. One thing I also saw is that there's a lot more depth defensemen scoring last year. Susie had a couple goals by now. Borgen had a couple goals. Alexia had a couple goals. Like not a lot. But two or three, but and some all of, of that sudden, too, you know, it's yeah. all it's all a factor of each other, right? I totally, like, I and, totally agree. And you think about their their fourth line has not been productive. Whoever is playing on the fourth line has not been productive, and normally that's that's fine, right? Most yeah, teams yeah, you don't, don't worry expect about it, but this team needs it. This team yeah. needs it. They need to be rolling four lines, and they did that successfully last season, uh, pretty much all season long. And you never knew who was going to be the guy that stepped up and scored the big goal. I don't know. This year, they're just not getting that, and and they're not rolling a fourth line. You know, they've tried a bunch of different things to try to get a fourth line that's productive, including playing three guys that are twenty two years of age or younger, um, and nothing has quite worked yet to to get that going. So, to me, I again, I think it goes back to they needed to add another gun uh, over the off season so that they could have one of their you know scoring players get pushed down to the fourth line. That's what I think they needed to do. They didn't do it, and um, you know they replaced the the three guys that left with three guys that I don't think are quite as effective offensively. So, yeah, I think that's, yeah, we, we started trying to put a fine point on it. Now we've kind of attributed it to everything, but I yeah. think, I think this is, <laughs> well, we've all got but, different reasons though. No, right? but and I, that's, the, that's the problem is there's, there's so lot. many, you can't pinpoint it to one problem. No, I, there's I, a bunch of problems. I agree completely. And I think your point is a really good one because there were certainly stretches last year where like circling back to what I was saying that Alex Wenberg wasn't scoring or Matty Beniers wasn't scoring, but the, you know, the fourth line or, you know, maybe, Ryan Sprong scoring yeah. on the power play. What was there to catch them? Right? Oh, good old Danny Donato. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, was was there to catch him, and it just hasn't been the case this year. One last point on Jordan Eberle. He's also in the zero goals five on five club. Yeah, he has right. one one Over primary assist. That's yeah. right. No yeah. goals five yeah. on five. So. And my other question then, and we've talked about some of the levers that they started to pull. I mean, I'm still not in panic mode yet but i'm definitely in concern mode like they're they're in a getting into a pretty bad spot here it's not insurmountable right like they're i think five and eight right as we're recording this so it's not insurmountable but but you got to get things going in the right direction you need a spark is there is there something that you could see them doing from outside the organization and at what point do you pull that lever to get some additional talent in here so i the only levers that I had in mind to pull um, were were bringing up one of the kind of AHL fringe veterans, and they did that with Potterowski. bringing in Andrew Potterowski. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't be opposed to monitoring the waiver wire, and if there's someone you're interested in, you know, it's not going to be an Ellie Tolvin and level player, <laughs> but but someone who could be who could also fill that kind of role, come into a fourth line with a jump in the, their step or chip on their shoulder or something. Um, beyond that, I'm not really don't really have in mind, you know, kind of hockey trade at this point. 
in the season, but I don't know. I'm curious, curious on your guys' takes. I mean, I think if you're doing a, if, if we're doing a buy, sell or hold, you're holding right now. Yeah. Um, you, you're pretty much locked in because you don't want to, anything you trade away is a future, right? If you're trying to bring anything that's going to add a difference, the waiver wire is an interesting one, right? Because there's really no risk there. So I just don't see you, you doing much because like you're kind of stuck until the trade deadline. And if, if this team continues down this path of, of not being, even remotely close to a playoff contender, then you're selling. You don't want to trade something to get an asset, trade away a future asset just to be like, okay, we're selling at the deadline. So then, yeah, you'd be kind of defeating the purpose. But, but you could theoretically trade away like a a not so valuable future asset to Go get on. like a middle six type of a forward that could help them. Like, like I, a, like a, I don't know. You name it, like a Ryan Sprong type. Yeah, a Ryan okay, Sprong type. No, so my, but but my problem with these like hypothetical fan trades, and I'm not calling you. A I'm fan. not. I'm not going to come up with some hypothetical fan fan trade. I'm saying like you could theoretically. What about Riker some, Evans? Would you trade? I was. I wouldn't yeah. trade him. No, I might trade like a fourth rounder, a third rounder, or something like that. I don't, I don't think you get much for a fourth or fifth rounder, okay. particularly at this point in the okay. season. Well, and maybe even a second rounder then. And you can, you're right, at this point in the season, it's a weird time to make a trade. But then theoretically, you bring them in for a bit, see if it gives the spark the team needs. And if not, you can still sell and recoup that second rounder at some point. Yeah. So I just think one of the strengths of this organization is like they have a a top layer of kind of experienced players at the AHL level that are kind of that, you know, who you would bring in, not a middle six player, but someone you could bring in to bring Make in a jolt. Serviceable. Like, like Max right? McCormick, Cole Lind, Andrew Podorowski, John, John Hayden. Hayden. These are all kind of guys that you could, you know, if you're looking to, to like come in and bring you a spark for a game or two. I think that's kind of the mindset I'm more in right now. But, but to Darren's point, that that's not a middle six, right? No, no it's not. And yeah. it's, it, yeah, it's not addressing the, bigger picture scoring concern uh certainly there is one more lever there you just alluded to it john you said would you trade Riker evans i wouldn't do that but i might consider calling him up at some point yeah i just i i can't imagine he's gonna add that much spark right i know it's a, another change mm-hmm. not opposed to him but i just don't think you can expect much difference on the outcome of this team just by calling Riker yeah. Evans up. I, I agree, big picture. One thing that he can do that is a strength of his are kind of like um, controlled zone exits and transition play, uh, which has been a little bit of a struggle uh, for the Kraken. I mean, particularly in the last Colorado game, there was that one sequence, right, where they just couldn't get out of their own zone for the life of them. I, life of them. And it's just, again, I don't know that it's a long-term solution, but if it's a jolt to kind of get players to play the way you want, if there's a player there who can do this, I don't know. It's not off the table for me. I th- and I to your point, I think they've really struggled with getting the puck out of zone, particularly in the power play uh, or the penalty kill, I should say. Yeah. Because and that was what was killing them in the penalty kill is it just being able to get the puck out. Yeah. When when it's like a fifty fifty puck, uh, I I wish there was something I could I like we don't have data on that necessarily. Um, like clearing the zone in a PK, but I swear there's something to that this year that's then impacting the zone time and the opportunities of the other team. And what about what about that one shift in this recent Colorado game in the second period where they turned the puck over like four times? I wrote oh, about it in three takeaways yeah, that's, that's in the middle of the second period. And that that's what to, I yeah. think that like turned the game, right? I mean, they didn't score on that shift, but they did score it, three minutes oof, later. Yeah. And that set the tone for the whole second period. They couldn't get the puck out of their zone. So yeah. I, and, but I think this is right. something that's been going on for a couple of weeks now. Yeah. Another thing too, 
like how many how many times last year did you see like the three on two three on one rush where they do like a little tic tac toe pass hit the trailer and then the trailer would get a grade a chance from like the top of the slot i don't feel like i've seen that play at all this season maybe it's just fewer odd man rushes right so why are there fewer odd man rushes i don't know i don't freaking know um <laughs> so our answer to those biggest questions with this team are we really don't know. There's a lot of problems. Yeah. Um, speaking of teams with a lot of problems, and one lever that I don't think the Kraken will pull anytime I don't think so. soon is firing their coach. I don't think the Kraken would would even consider it. But a team that did recently consider it was the team that beat them on Saturday, the Edmonton Oilers. And um, even so, even with a 4-1 win, they still fired their coach the next day, Jay Woodcroft, as well as the assistant coach, uh, Manson. What's what's Manson's first name? Dave Manson? Uh Marilyn Manson. Marilyn Manson. Marilyn Manson. Yeah. Um, so Marilyn Manson and uh, and Jay Woodcroft both got fired, and they brought in. You know that's Josh Manson's uh, father. father. Yeah. yeah. Is it not Dave? Marilyn. Dave. Dave yeah, Manson. I think it's Dave. Dave yeah. Manson. That sounds right. And uh, yeah, so Chris Knobloch gets hired, uh, second baseman for the Minnesota Twins, <laughs> from back in the day. Um, remember when he got the yips and he couldn't throw to first base after he joined the Yankees? Oh, it was a beautiful. Time. Oh, you remember that? Yeah, I loved it. Yeah. The Steve Sachs. Do you know who Steve Sachs is? No. Or was it Steve Sachs? I think it was Steve Sachs. It originally had the yips from second base. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Tough uh, pioneer. Of, tough spot to get the, the yips. yips from second base. That's a pretty easy throw oh to make. My God. That's why I played second base because I didn't have a very strong arm. Oh my God. That would stink. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Chris Knobloch, uh, he always had a that stance where he'd hold the the Chuck Knobloch. I'm sorry, I'm thinking of Chuck Knobloch. We're mixing up a lot of names here. Um, but Chris Knobloch was the coach of uh, Connor McDavid with the Erie Otters. So, strange move. I mean, it seemed very much like everybody knew this was coming from like what we were hearing at Morning Skate and everything. Like Nobody was surprised that the team was about to um, fire their coach by any means. But then the players, they interviewed McDavid after, and he was like, no, Woodcroft didn't lose the room. So like, I don't think this came from the players. You know, I think this was just Ken Holland saying, I got to do something else to save my job. And that's well, and it's interesting because this is Ken Holland's third coach, Mm -hmm. right? Second hired, I guess. And usually the GM only gets one coach, Mm. Uh, Uh, one firing, right? One firing and one new coach. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because if it's not the coach, maybe it's the GM. So, uh, and I think he's on his last year of his contract anyway. So Dennis Holland. So, um, Ken Holland. Ken Holland. Sorry. Yeah. That's right. We don't. We don't. We got a lot of names. We're not names are, names, yeah. names are not our thing this week. That's yeah. right. I mean, I, I understand it's an accumulation of frustration in Edmonton over the years, but I mean, there were like Edmonton fans coming to Climate Pledge Arena with bags on their heads and stuff <laughs> as a joke, but like, you don't do that unless you're actually bad. Like, I, I don't. The move didn't make. I wouldn't have fired Jay Woodcroft, but that's just me. Okay. Well, when you're GM, you can make yeah, that decision. When I'm GM, yeah. you can make that decision when. I was going to make the same joke, but I'm a little behind you, so I'm just going to stop. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> I tried to like come up with a way to twist it, like put it in my own words, but then I was like, nope, I'm just going to repeat no, the same yeah, words, yeah. so I'm just going to stop right here, and we're going to go on with the show. Um, what else did I want to say about that? Uh, oh, you know what? Jay Woodcroft did have the funny thing with uh, Mark Spector, where he said something like, at morning skate, I was like, oh, what's with all the doom and gloom here? Because, like, the reporters were just so down in the dumps. And then Mark Spector was like, oh, he's he's doom, I'm gloom, or something like that. And, and Jay Woodcroft was like, oh, I don't read your stuff, so whatever. And then <laughs> – so he, like, took that shot at him. And then after the game, I went to their, um, to their scrum, and Spector had a long question 
uh, about like the messaging moving forward or something. And Woodcroft just said yes and moved on to the next guy. Like wouldn't take his question, which I thought was mm. pretty interesting. So mm. I guess he was it's done a, with Mark Spector. It's a tough market. You know what else too? The uh, that press conference with. <laughs> With uh, Leon Dreisaitl. In the, San Jose, after San Jose. Yes, after yeah. the San Jose yeah. loss, before the Kraken game. Man, they were just brutal. Those guys, those questions were just absolutely brutal. And the last one, I'm pretty sure that was also Spectre. He's like, you know, as of tonight, you're 32nd in the league. Can you believe it? That was the last question. I'm like, oh my God, what a, I don't know, just nasty, nasty questions that they ask up there in Canada. I'm glad we're not quite as harsh on the players here in Seattle. I really am. Well, they need to like be. I always equate them to being more shock value, yeah. right? And because there's so to, much coverage, exactly. Yeah. Like they need to differentiate themselves. So lucky for the Kraken, there's not many people covering the team. <laughs> I mean, there are ways to ask the question. No, can I you, totally can, agree. Can but... you believe that the Oilers are yeah. in last place no. rather than that way? But those those <laughs> guys have been at it for a while. It's the totally. good old boys trying to. Anyway, that's that's all good. Uh, down on the farm, moo. Jagger Furcus had quite the night with the Moose Jaw Warriors tonight, Tuesday. What happened, John? He had uh, five points, which uh, five points. three goals, so a little uh-huh. hat trick and two apples. Uh, he's now leading the WHL in points and goals scored. So now he's officially leading. I think we talked about it a couple weeks ago that he was close, but not quite. I really hope that his game translates. I I haven't seen it translate yet at the NHL level. I think when he gets to preseason, he looks like a little slow, a little small, a little everything. I hope that somehow he fills out and his game translates. What I like to see is, and we're seeing it, is the progression from the draft. Every year he's getting better. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that is a leading indicator. I'm not totally sure. Let's go to our... (laughs) prospect expert over no, there. I agree with you, John. But his performance this year is surprising me in the sense that he's not markedly bigger than when he was drafted, maybe a little bit. Um, uh, but I agree with you, Darren, that I think the big test is going to come when he, like, he's in the AHL. Yeah. Like, what's that going to look like? And, and I agree with John that points tend to be the best indicator of how someone's ultimately going to translate. And the fact that he's producing at this level, at the top of the WHL, is encouraging. But uh, I still am at at a place with him where I want to see it at the pro level. You know what? It, it also stands out to me, and maybe you've observed this, or maybe it's just my own personal bias that's not really accurate, but Fergus and Carson Rakoff score differently all the time, different places on the ice, different ways. Mm-hmm. And I... I, it's hard to say, like, oh, is that an indicator of, like, future success? I don't know. But to me, having a, a wide variety of ways to score seems to be, like, a good thing, right, even at the junior level. So that's something to keep an eye on. I don't know if you've observed any of that from – but those two two guys, you know, Nelson, it's it's the – it's excuse me. It's, Whoa. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, Whoa. It's the bomb from the blue line, right? Uh-huh. And, yeah. and he scores really well there, right? Yep. But – that's how he scores his goals Absolutely. compared to the other yeah. guys. So, uh, something that I don't know. Let's let's put a pin in this, and we'll <laughs> we have visit so it. many pins. Yeah, that we I know. Just, we, we should we should have like a corkboard up here and have these pins. Like like the yeah, like the Charlie from yeah. Always Sunny in Philadelphia, where he's got all exactly. the things connecting to each other, and he's like going all crazy. I don't know um, if we need to do that. So, but. one thing I wanted to talk about here, and this is uh, maybe this is the brightener, right? that we needed was just talking about some of the really awesome performances happening from Kraken prospects. Oh yeah. Let's there's do it. still yeah. a very bright future here. <laughs> yeah. Let's not forget about yeah. that. The cupboard is, is getting pretty full, but one of the things that's kind of interesting is that they had Shane Wright, Ty Cartier, 
Ryan Winterton and Matty Beneers, right? Four players, all 22 years or younger in the lineup here over the last few days, um, including in that game in Colorado where they were, all four of them had an impact, right? Matty scored that night. Cartier did something. I think he had an assist maybe. And then the other two, like, looked good, I thought. Anyway, so I asked Hackstall after that game what that means for the makeup of the organization. And I want to read his response here because I thought it was pretty good. He said, there's two sides. We're growing and we're building and we're looking towards the future while trying to accomplish really important things right now. So right now what you see is you have, you saw it in tonight's game, is a mix of a lot of good veterans that are fully invested. And you're starting to see more and more some of the youth that is coming into the organization. I think what it speaks to is, number one, from the first draft, you're starting to see guys come in and impact our hockey team. So what this what that speaks to is the development of those players from the job of our development staff does while they're playing junior hockey, while they're playing college hockey, while they're playing over in Europe to the job that Dan Bilesma and his coaching staff and the organization are doing at Coachella Valley. We know a couple of guys that have been here and been with us that have been that have impacted us for a while now. And now you just saw two younger guys come in and have a good positive impact tonight on this win tonight. And I think that Curtis, why I think that's so interesting is because it really talks to your story that you wrote a while back that was like, here's how it looks with the salary cap situation and the contracts that they have on the books, right? They have a bunch of veterans that are here now, but their salary, their contracts do run out within the next year or two for a bunch of them. And then we're going to start to see these guys filter in. And so it, it is, they're trying to do two things, right? They're building for the future, but they're also trying to be competitive right now. Back to your point earlier, John, they probably don't want to mortgage too much of that future either to to try to fix things right now because at the end of the day, I think they want to be competitive. I think they want to be a playoff team, but I don't know if they're all in yet to win a to win the Stanley Cup. Like I don't think they're quite at that stage. So no. Okay, that was down in the farm. We got a little carried away there. We have a you don't see that every day, which comes from the Anaheim Ducks, who are off to a pretty good start. They were wearing their beautiful eggplant uniforms. I was trying to remember what. What, uh, <laughs> what vegetable, vegetable? that uh, is it is eggplant a vegetable or a fruit? It's got seeds in it. I didn't it? jump in there because I'm not certain. Yeah, I don't know. Mm. Anyway, they're wearing their eggplant uniforms and they had uh, one of those goals where uh, I believe it was Radko Gudis shot it and it hit off of a, a Sharks player, popped straight up in the air and then landed in the net behind Mackenzie Blackwood. It looked like it looked like their controllers disconnected. Like they were just kind of sitting there and the defenseman tried to go up and swat it, but wasn't tall enough. But like, it was like a lob shot Mm -hmm. and it was up 15 to 20 feet. It wasn't like a, a low sinker from the, from the blue line. It was a lob that, you know, goalie didn't see it at all. It's what I built my tennis career on was the, the lob, the The lob lob. Yeah, because I just wasn't very good. So, but I got really good at lobbing it and hitting it right on the baseline. So nobody could really like ram the ball down. My, that sounds really inappropriate, but couldn't <laughs> couldn't like we overpower me because yeah, I could it. get to the ball yeah. and then loft it over them. Um, anyway, that's our you don't see that every day. We also have a bad boys. Speaking of Leon Dreisaitl, who we mentioned earlier, he took out some of his frustration on the back of Bo Horvat's knee. This is actually in a win, and it seems totally uncalled for from what I saw. He just got up off the ice and like cross-checked Bo Horvat across basically the ACL. Like I yeah. don't know what he was thinking there. It was a it was a really dirty play. Like I, I, you know, it was only a five thousand dollar fine. Horvat didn't get get uh, hurt or anything. I don't know why you would do that, right? Like that's a very vulnerable. Because he's spot. a douchebag. Oh, yeah. Okay. No, it's it's a uh, totally uncalled for, right? Mm-hmm. I like do it in the back, right? Cross check somebody in the back if you're that kind of player, but that could have been serious and like career damaging to Bo Horvat. I I don't know. I I can't believe it was just a fine. That that seems hideous to me. Um, your mouth is a little 
potty-ish tonight. I'm I'm a little on it's edge right up. now. It's uh, fired up. Why? What's wrong? It's been a, been a tough couple <laughs> games. Yeah. yeah, isn't it? It's a little sad how much sports impact our I, our moods. I talk isn't it? about it all the time. I wish. <laughs> I wish I'm not proud of being impacted so emotionally yeah. after a game, but I am. So. No, it's always it's always been like that with me. I was so such a hardcore like Twins and Wild fan growing up. Like if they went if the Twins went on a, a losing streak for four or five games or whatever, I would just be like intolerable for a while. Yeah. Wild lost a game, you couldn't talk. Like to I don't the next get day. mean. I just like sulk and get yeah. sad and depressed. Yeah. So yeah. Well, it's probably coming through on this podcast. So. <laughs> Easy. We now move on to our weekly one-timers. Whoopsh. Our first weekly one-timer. Whoopsh. And before I get into these, I just want to say that a lot of these are quite drab and depressing things that we're about to talk about. But first one, uh, somebody has been arrested in the Adam Johnson uh, death, and I would assume that it was the player whose skate uh, got him on the neck. And... Um, I don't know how I feel about this. I I think uh, assuming that there was no like move to intentionally like kick him, I just don't know how you could hold the player accountable. Well, a couple things all. is, you know, he's arrested, not charged. Right. And it's involuntary involuntary manslaughter mm-hmm. is what they're investigating him for. Yeah, right? which is theoretically accidental, not intentional, but reckless if you will. And and I mean this could take months or years, honestly. Um, I can't watch it, so no, I yeah. I don't know what to think about this. But at the same time, like remember, it's involuntary manslaughter, and he has not been charged, just yeah. arrested. Yeah, the only thing that I think about, like I I'm no English lawyer here. Like I'm not wearing a powdered wig as we speak. <laughs> as we Although speak. that would be yeah. awesome, yeah. right? Wouldn't it? Yeah, that would have been great. Um, like. The only thing I could see is like maybe if the, if it was ruled that he, and to your point I can't like watch it and dissect it like yeah, I said I, I caught a clip of it and I yeah. I almost threw up it was horrible yeah. so um, I don't know if there was some sort of motion that would have indicated that he was like trying to kick him or something I thought he was just falling to the ice and if that's the case I mean anyone could theoretically be arrested for manslaughter for you know i just it's a weird thing i don't know if it accomplishes anything unless they can they can demonstrate that he was intentionally could be that he doesn't get charged let's be clear here okay so yeah let's move on our next weekly one-timer gms are talking about changing the rules of uh three on three overtime um i'm open to ideas uh but what's been floated out there currently and and the concern is that um coaches have kind of gotten their teeth into it and made it so it's such a possession game that it's like you know, the players just keep circling back to their own zone, keep circling back to the neutral zone, which is absolutely true. That's 100% the the ploy that the Kraken use, and they're just looking for the best opportunity possible. But it's taken some of that excitement out of three-on-three that initially happened, right? When when it first came out, it was, like, the best thing that since, since sliced bread. So now they're trying to come up with ways to, like, keep that excitement, make sure the game actually ends in the overtime and doesn't go to the shootout. And so some of the things that have been bandied about are sort of an over and back. So, like, if they once they go over the red line, and they can't come back. I don't think that's a terrible idea. There's probably some impact that it creates. More whistles, potentially. Potentially, yeah. And I guess what's the penalty if you do go over and back? Is it a face-off face in your off own and, zone, yeah. I guess? So, yeah. yeah. And then um, the other idea was to put like a shot clock, but I hate that idea. I, I absolutely hate it. I just think that's not a good idea. Or extend, and even extending overtime in general, right? To 
not five minutes, but to ten minutes. Yeah, which would be fine, but then it doesn't stop teams from circling back. Well, I think I think the, the intent time. really is to end more games in overtime and less in a shootout. Yeah, because the shootout feels pretty gimmicky. I mean, you could say three on three is a little gimmicky, but shootout is. I mean, hey, as a Kraken fan, <laughs> yeah, I'm all <laughs> I'm all in favor of getting rid of the shootout. Because if there's one thing that the Kraken do actually suck at, it's the shootout. Consistently, so, consistently, <laughs> yeah. they are bad, bad, bad at the shootout. So yeah. I will. I will Curtis, give you any that thoughts one. on the old three on three? No, I, I'm kind of with you, Darren. I, like the over and back, I don't mind. Um, the shot clock seems a little more foreign to me. You know, it's kind of like you know they put the pitch clock in in baseball and it eventually worked and i think it's integrated pretty well and it might do the same here but it just seems a little foreign and they the probably then just create more whistles uh, same yeah. thing like see and and maybe this is a hot take i don't think there's anything wrong with 3 on 3 right now even yeah. in the possession yeah. i think it adds a little bit of of unique it's like a chess game. game it feels like yeah, a chess game and it, yeah and it there's an anticipation you're like whoa whoa now if you're the home team and a home fan i guess and the away team has possession it can be aggravating, but I think that's kind of adds to the lore. So I don't know. I don't. I honestly think there is no problem with it. I I, I agree. I, I like watching it if I'm invested in the game. If I'm watching some like neutral uh, game that I have no rooting interest in, you know, if there was some rule that just made it guaranteed, it would be shot, 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 shot. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, I I'm okay but, with that. But usually <laughs> it's it's a lot of runtime, right? Yeah. And because of that, and so it's not like a lot of stops, and that's. That's kind of cool, actually. So, yeah. anyway. I saw a take that said, uh, just eliminate the shootout, extend it to 10 minutes, and then if nobody scores, nobody gets the extra point, which I thought was not a bad idea, because then it's like, it forces them to go for it, you know? Somebody yeah. go yeah. for Ch- it. Yeah, change the incentives, yeah. change the point like structure. Yeah. I, I think it's a pretty good idea. Yeah. 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 Don't if you change want that the, extra point, you, you try a little harder. Don't change yeah. the rules at all, but go for the win. So, um, and then our next weekly one-timer. The PWHPA has revealed their jerseys. John, you're making a face. That was not for the audio version. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) But, well, the face is really positive because you like them so much Uh, and you're really happy with what they did here, right? Is that why you made that face? Oh, man. I have no idea what to say about this stuff. I don't Um, know what they're... What are they doing? I you know, know, I'm like, I know, I know. I, I I so badly want it to go off without a hitch. Like I'm I'm really rooting for this thing to work. Yeah, a hundred percent. Like I'm behind it. I know the the whole start of it was rocky, and people were upset about how things played out with the um, the PHF and all that. But at this point, I'm like, screw it. I want to move forward, and I want this thing to be really successful, and I want it to be awesome, right? And there's just been some weird steps here so far. Well, and the PHF slash NWHL those jerseys. To me, were awesome. Mm-hmm. Like the Pride, Whitecaps, the Whale. I mean, those the Riveters. Like those were awesome jerseys, awesome logos. This is for people that haven't seen it. It's very cookie cutter, and it's just the name of the location of the team across diagonally, diagonally. and they're all the same. And they're all the same, just different yep. colors. Yeah, it looks like when <laughs> when they put the kids in Little League World Series, like for their. Country oh, their region. region. Yeah, yeah. Oh, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> That's, yeah. I don't, I'm, I'm sorry because I'm sure somebody had like did a lot of work on this, but I, yeah, it's a, it's a really weird step to roll these out before they've announced team names before. I don't know. I just, I don't know what they were, what they're trying to accomplish here. It's almost like they were like, all right, well, we don't have the, maybe they don't have the trademarks done or something. I don't know how that process yeah. works. I really I, don't. I, 
I get the sense these are probably temporary. These are probably just the jerseys for this year. I mean, I don't know that. I would hope so. To be uh, certain. I, but, I, I mean, um, I think it's generally thought to be like, yeah. oh, this is just the first year jerseys yeah. to like establish the league or whatever. I don't know, man. I, I think it's either cost savings, not enough time, which kind of is alluding to like getting all the trademarks and everything, or I don't know. I, I really don't know. It's It does not make me want to go buy one of these. Yeah. And I have a couple nwhl jerseys yeah i mean even if it's just for the first season i mean there are plenty of mock-ups online that you know fans did or something like that that are just pretty objectively levels above this yeah so i don't know our next Ugh. weekly one-timer carson Susi, old friend he's out week to week with a foot injury um so that means he will not be playing when the canucks uh host the kraken on saturday so and he might miss the home game or the, the game at climate pledge a week later so mm. And uh, did you say Morgan Geeky is also out for a bit? Morgan Geeky is also out week to week. I don't think he I don't, Boston's not here for a while. So. No, no, How's, he's on IR though. How yeah. is Ryan Sprong? Is he okay? Uh, he might Sprung, not exist. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Any word about Daniel Donato? <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to look at the database. Hayden Flurry uh, is done with his AHL assignment, so he got called back up to Tampa Bay. All right, there you go. So yeah, got that. Going for us. Our next yeah. weekly one-timer. That was a good uh, old friends check in there. Yeah. Uh, Cooper Alls are coming back again. They they did this, what, two years ago maybe? with uh, Some team did Cooper Alls like, for warm-ups. So the Flyers, I think. Flyers, yeah. Oh, so the, the right. Whalers are going to do Cooper Alls. Sorry, not... The- Oh, I'm just my heart. Sucked. The Hurricanes yeah. are gonna do Cooper Alls when they do their Whalers night. So is it? It's just warm up, so right? Yeah. Okay. They're not wearing Cooper Alls during the game. No, that would be so funny though. <laughs> oh my god! Like I think that takes some like getting used to. Oh, to I wear can't imagine like long playing, pants. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Hmm. Okay, that's that. Our next weekly one timer. Former uh, Flyers and I forget what other teams he played for. Kings. Kings, uh, Roman Czechmonic. This is very sad news. Roman Czechmonic died. Um, I loved watching him play. He was such a like. He came out of nowhere. He was this gangly dude, and he came on like for the Flyers and was just awesome. That one, that one season. Yeah, he didn't have like a long NHL. No, it was career. only a few years. Yeah, but he was he was, he was awesome. Really good in his in his time yeah. that he played. And um, yeah, he he had the TPS exhale pads. He was one of the first goalies wearing those, and I thought those were pretty cool. So. But yeah, no no real information on what happened here. He was in his early fifties. Um, just sad, just uh, yeah. just sad stuff. It's always weird, I think, when you hear something like that um, has yeah, happened. Yeah, when you with remember it, the player, right? Like, like pretty like, recently. Yeah, yeah. It's that's yeah. that's kind of the thing where it kind of hits you. You're like, oh wait, yeah, I remember seeing him play. Yeah. So. Um, I don't know. I I'm curious what uh, what happened there. It's kind of mysterious. But um, our next weekly one timer. The Swift current coach in the WHL has been suspended for breaking the code of conduct. This is another kind of mercurial type of announcement, an enigmatic announcement in terms of what he did. It sounded like it had something to do with an on-ice incident at a practice. Um, so WHL coaching keeps on keeps on hitting. Apparently it's no racial slur this time. Okay. So, hey, that's good. Okay. Right? Progress, I is guess. Is that? I don't yeah. know if that's even progress, though. Right? Like... I don't know. I, I I can't think of many things worse, but right. yeah, I'm yeah. sure there are. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Speaking our of our final worse, weekly one timer. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Go ahead. A final weekly one timer. Do the sound. <laughs> um. <laughs> so, th- this whole um, 
my God. I, did I say at some point earlier that it was going to be? It, I did. That it was going to be gross. Not having a great week. Here, we're, right? we're in general. We're not having a great week. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Hockey Canada has been doing an investigation about the 2018, right? That's right. Uh, World Junior Team that was accused of. Uh, several of the players on their team were accused of sexual assault. Uh, apparently, the third-party investigators completed their investigation, and then somebody immediately filed for an appeal. So that just basically delays hearing any of like who the players were that are involved and um, the outcome, I guess. Right? Did I explain that correctly? Yeah, because there's not a lot of information about... there's Well, there's no details on the situation. Yeah. Um, and I believe it actually was the final report was completed last calendar year, 2022, um, and then immediately appealed. I mean, this is, I don't know if you know who's on that 2018 yeah, World I Junior Team. It. Yeah, Pretty extensive. A lot of guys still very much in the NHL. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty gnarly stuff. Um, and, you know, some some lawyer is uh, thought it's a good idea to appeal, probably is, but um, we'll see. I don't know. It makes you think that the players involved are pretty well-known players. Uh, well, there's apparently eight players that were originally identified. Mm-hmm. And I'd say there's less than two that are unknown yeah. on that team. So, uh, I, don't, I don't know. This is now kind of in somewhat the court's hands, I guess. So, let's see how it goes. Man, that was a really fun weekly one-timers. Yeah, this um, week has been great. Let's cl- <laughs> Oh, my God. <laughs> Let's close the show with our tweets of the week. Curtis, do you have a tweet of the week? I do. So my tweet of the week is from Shad Powers. He writes for the Desert Sun, uh, covering the Coachella Valley Firebirds, among other things. Um, it starts, he quote tweets a, a tweet from the Coachella Valley Firebirds where they're shifting uh, the schedule for the Firebirds a little bit. Uh, a game that's supposed to be on Friday, February 2nd, moves up to Thursday, February 1st. And Shad says, in case you ever wondered who would win in a battle between a pit bull and a firebird, uh, we have a schedule change for the firebirds <laughs> to make way for an added pit bull concert. Oh, oh, Mr. Worldwide. There you go. Yeah. There you go. How about well, that? It was a pretty good way. To that is a good that way. News. Yeah. Pretty fun. Okay. Uh, John. I have one. Okay. Yeah. Didn't put it on the show notes, huh? No, it was a stealth okay. tweet of the week. All right, let's hear it. So Monday night was the Hall of Fame ceremonies mm-hmm. uh henrik lundquist mm-hmm. was just uh admitted to the hockey hall of fame yeah strombone one tweets hall of famer on hair and looks alone mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. a little crown so well, he's a handsome devil and strombone's a pretty good tweeter yeah so i saw they were doing like this photo shoot where they had all the new hall of fame inductees holding a stick with a puck on the blade and they're like all right on the count of three everybody flip the puck and catch it on the stick and like one of them could do it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> they kept they all kept dropping the puck. I was like, this can't be a good a great photo shoot here. So my tweet of the week is the PWHL put out their like hype video and then unveiled their little league jerseys. Um <laughs> and it says Silky Mitts and now Fire Fits. And Eric Bottomer, who apparently was the I think he worked for Adidas, he was the designer that came up with reverse retro. He retweeted it, he retweeted it and just said, I was available. that's great so uh, all right that's our show thank you everybody for listening uh subscribe on spotify subscribe on apple podcast subscribe on pocket cast leave your five-star review on apple podcast we'll read it on next week's show you know what i almost forgot to say we owed 303 on twitch a meetup at this last game we blew it john Uh, yeah sorry about that 303 
that was a that was a boo boo on our part. So we apologize. He he actually reached out to me on Twitter, and I was like, I gotta make sure to get back to him. And then I was just coming in a little too hot for the game. So anyway, um, oh, sorry man, about that. We screwed up. If you're back again, let us know. We'll we'll make it happen. But this he was, was like from Saskatchewan yeah, or something, right? Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, we screwed that up. Um, okay. Uh, what else did I need to say? Anything else? Stick taps for Andy, certainly. Um, no, I'm Patreon. all. Patreon. Join the Patreon. We'll talk to you all very soon for episode 262. Cheers. Cheers.